It is always a blast to come down here and see all these awesome people. You guys have a growing large church. This is fantastic. Uh, as Grant said, uh, my name is Matt Party, and uh, I am just so excited to come down here and see what God's doing. You guys have a sweet band, too. The band. Is the band good? So good. That was a great time of worship, and uh, your whole staff and, and, and leadership team is so great. Uh, you guys are really, truly blessed. I'm so excited, just real quick, before I jump into the teaching, guys, looking forward to seeing you at Manmakers next week. It's going to be fun. My wife is looking forward to seeing you women in two weeks. My wife will be there, okay? So go up and say hi to her if you get a chance, and uh, give her a hug. She's a very godly, friendly woman that would love you to uh, love to meet you. So we are jumping back into the series with Judges. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Judges chapter 2. Some of the verses will be coming up um, on the uh, screen here. And just to kind of remember what Grant was talking about the first week was that God asks us to do things. He asks for our whole heart. He asks for our, our whole minds, and he asks for our obedience. And when we do that and we listen to him, things go really well. But when we don't go all the way with our obedience, uh, there's usually consequences to that. And then last week, Daniel Perkle talked about God's faithfulness, even though we're unfaithful. I love that slice of life that she just shared about. Even when we're not doing well, God loves us, and he wants a deep relationship with us. And we try and we try to be faithful, but even when we're not, God is faithful to us. And so we're going to continue kind of this big picture of Judges. And what we're going to be talking about today is passing the torch. How important it is for us and how important it was for them in that day to be passing on the torch. I'm only talking about two things this morning, passing on the torch. Because there are people coming after you that we can really affect and pass that torch to. Uh, in the book of Judges, we have Joshua here at the beginning. He was a phenomenal leader, and the people looked up to him, and he was faithful to pass on the, the torch, the, the truth that he was given. But then they went through all this time where people just didn't listen to God, all the way pretty much to the time of Samuel, where a new leader came. That's kind of the, 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 the breath of uh, Judges here that we're talking about here in this series for the coming weeks. So why don't I pray, and we'll jump into this this morning. God, we thank you so much that, Lord, you are faithful to us. Lord, we are so thankful that you have done the hard work of what it means for us to be reconciled with you. We're so thankful that we can come on a morning like this, and we can celebrate, and we can sing, and we can look up to heaven and know that we have a God that loves us in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done. And Lord, we never want to come to you uh, just with our effort to try to follow the laws so that we can have a relationship with you. We come, Lord, accepting your grace. And just knowing your unconditional love toward us is what fuels us to walk with you. We're so thankful for that this morning. Speak to us and open up our hearts to what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I love sports. I'm excited about watching the Super Bowl today. And 
Probably many of you have seen lots of Olympics over the past years. And I don't know if you remember back in 2008, just like most Summer Olympics, the Americans were really uh, excited about the talent that they had, uh, especially in track and field. And in the 4x100, the men and the women's team were so solid. It was just guaranteed going to be a gold medal for the men and for the women's team. And, you know, you think about all the training, the years and years of training and lifting and practicing and all that they put into those Olympics. And it's finally that day and their expectations are just sky high. And the women's team went off where they're each one just running, you know, just that really quick 100-yard relay. And right at the end, as the last handoff was happening, the women dropped the baton. And they, they lost in those trials there. A few hours later, the men's team came out. Same thing, sky-high expectations, tons of talent. Thought, man, this is going to be a gold for the Americans. And the same thing happened. The very last handoff, the men dropped the baton. It was devastating. It was crazy. People were like, how can this happen? These two talented teams that had won all these world championships before and the expectations were so high and they dropped the baton on the final leg. You know, in, in life and in this, this book that we're going to be reading, I love reading books like this, like Judges. They're so practical to today's living. And back in this time, God gave them this baton of the truth, of leadership, and what it meant to walk with God and to, to help the whole world come to know who the one true God was. It was the most important baton he could hand them. He said, hang on to this, take care of it, and pass it to each person so that the truth will remain. And the people in Judges dropped the baton. And you know, today we have this same kind of mandate, this same kind of commissioning to us. You and I, whether we know it or not, sitting here this morning, we are being handed a baton from, from God Almighty. And we have a choice of whether we're going to be careless with that or we're going to grab onto it and say, yeah, this is so exciting to be part of this team and I want to win. And that's where we're picking this up in Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each of their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance, the timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, after all of them had died. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. What happens in this passage is that God had brought them into this promised land. 
He had done amazing miracles from them. The things that Moses said they were going to do, and he handed the baton to Joshua. Joshua took it faithfully. He took the people into the promised land, and everything was amazing and really cool. They were, all had this amazing land that they were so excited about. Each person was taking possession of these different places. God was with them, and God was blessing them. And this passage says that Joshua followed the Lord and he, he walked with him all those days. All the elders and leaders that were with Joshua during that time walked with God and they followed what he wanted them to do. But then at 110, he dies. And as these people start, you know, next generation and the next generation, they completely forgot about God. The stories weren't handed off to what God had done and what he had done for Israel. And then after they had forgotten the message and the baton had been dropped, what did they do? The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they served these other gods. The gods that God had warned them, don't follow these neighbors that you have. Make sure you clear this out so that their false religion doesn't come in. They didn't listen to that, and they started listening to the other gods that were out there. They started following the other gods. So here's the first point for this morning. It's just like Joshua was handed this baton to hand on to the next ancestors. We have the message of truth to pass on. Number one, we're passing on a truth. We're passing on a baton of the gospel. The gospel of truth. As it said in 2.7, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who had outlived him and who had seen the great things the Lord had done for Israel. The people were being faithful to this calling. They were listening and they were passing it on. But as these people had their children, they didn't do it. And you and I today, we're sitting here because we've had amazing people pass on this gospel message to us. I remember my freshman year in college, I was at Bowling Green State University, and I had these two strangers just come up to me and start asking me spiritual questions. They said, hey, do you care about spiritual things? Would you like to you know, enter into a conversation about what God's doing in your life? And I was really interested in spiritual things. I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk about that. And about 30 minutes later, as they were going through the scriptures, it was like God just spoke directly to me and I asked Christ to come into my life that year. Uh, it was in February of my freshman year in college. And I was so changed. I was so floored by the things that they'd said and the things that I started to learn in those next coming months and years completely changed the trajectory of my life. And as I look back and I've talked to those guys that came and talked to me, I am so thankful for the message that they passed on to me, that they went out of their way to pass that to me. They shared things like this in Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I love this verse, thinking about God lavishing his grace upon us. That word just means like poured over us, like a Niagara Falls of grace and forgiveness is poured out on us. I, like most people in this world, 
worshipped the God of good works. I worshipped a God of my own effort. Most people on this campus, maybe some of you think, if I try really hard, if I'm a good person, when I die and I stand before God, I'll get a good grade and maybe I will get into heaven. I don't have that many bad things in my life, but that's kind of the gospel to most people. That's the God that they worship is their own goodness. But I knew from my past the things that I had done were so bad. The things that I was so ashamed of, I knew that I wasn't right with God. And I knew that I needed something that I couldn't provide in myself. And in Ephesians 1.7, it says that so clearly. We need forgiveness. Later on in the chapter, it says this. 1.13. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, we, we could ask the question, because Jesus died for all people, does that mean that everyone's going to heaven? There are lots of people in your lives, in this world, that believe we're all just going to go to heaven. Everybody's okay. They can all worship their own thing or follow their own God or go after their own truth, but we're all going to be okay in the end. Ephesians 1.13 doesn't say that. It says, you, after listening to this message of truth, that Jesus has died and provided the forgiveness for us, that it's not based on our own effort, what I just shared there, the gospel of our salvation, having also believed. Having also believed that personally. At that moment, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. When we actually hear that, we understand it in our minds, what the gospel is, and then we believe that in our hearts. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes inside of us at that moment, and we are sealed. That is a done deal until we go to be with God in heaven. That's something that we believe here at H2O in the assurance of salvation, that you can know where you stand with God. And the question is, do we believe this? And there are people in our lives, and maybe some of you here, that they don't believe that yet. They're on a journey. If, if you're not a Christian yet, and you're sitting here thinking, I'm just trying to figure all this out. I don't know where I stand. I don't know if I even believe this. You know, we want you to know you're welcome here. We're so glad you're here and that you're journeying to understand what God is expecting of you. But we're praying for you, and we're praying for the people of this campus that they would come to know this as their truth. This is the baton that we're handed, this truth, to accept it for ourselves and to pass it on to those around us. When this completely changed my life and I, I became an avid studier of world religions and I, I got my degree in chemistry and I love science and I just love studying about apologetics and science and theology and I would just study and study and study and it just confirmed my faith in Jesus. And I remember going home those first few years to my family back home who weren't believers yet. I'd be so nervous to talk to them about this. I just knew it was true. 
And I knew God wanted me to tell my family and my friends and the, and the people that I worked with and the people that I was in class with, but I would get so nervous. I would get so insecure about what I was sharing. But you know, God was with me. It says that the Holy Spirit comes in in that verse that we just read, and it will help us pass this baton on. And I remember the first time just sharing with my family over a Christmas vacation, and some of them were kind of listening, and some of them thought I was crazy. But about a year later, my mom gave her life to Jesus. And I remember seeing her get baptized in her church back home and me just crying my eyes out like, wow, this is incredible. And I have five brothers and my most rebellious brother that was just so far from the Lord, the last one of my brothers that I thought would become a Christian, the next year he became a Christian. He didn't even tell me for six months. I just wanted to punch him because he was, you know, telling me about all this stuff he was reading. I was like, Jeff, are you a believer now? He's yeah, yeah, I did this a while ago. I was ah, why didn't you tell me? And in that year, he led a couple people to Christ. He's a very influential person. And more in my family became Christians. And my, my high school friends became Christians. And some of the people at college. And I was just so moved by the power of the Holy Spirit in us as we open our mouths to help other people come to know Christ. Have you ever wondered who God has placed in your life that you could share the truth with? Who has God placed in your life right now that might be struggling in sin, living in guilt, kind of aimless in a, in a spiritual way. Maybe, maybe they're really committed to something that just isn't true. And God has placed this person in your life because he wants you to share with them. That's something that we can pray about. That's something that we can ask God to do in our lives. God, open up my eyes to the lives around me who I could share with. You know, I love these kind of like rescue movies, and I just saw a movie recently called The Finest Hour. I don't know how many of you have seen it. It's got that really handsome guy in it, Chris Pine, I think his name is. That's probably weird that I just said that, but he is a handsome guy. Anyway, his name's uh, Bernie Weber in this movie, okay? And this is based on a true story. I love movies based on a true story. And he works for the Coast Guard. And back in 1952, again, it's a true story, it was like this really cold February night and this northeastern came in, which are those big storms up on the east coast. And right off of Cape Cod, this oil tanker literally snaps in half. The waves were so huge and the winds were so strong that, that this boat snapped in half, the front half of it sank, and about three dozen men were on the back of this oil tanker sinking. And Bernie Weber and his crew of three people were sent out, because they worked for the Coast Guard, sent out in this little boat to rescue these people. And Bernie Weber, um, you know, interviewing the family and the people that were in this place, the, the people of the town really wanted them to go out and save their loved ones. They were scared half to death that these three dozen people were going to die. But Bernie Weber's wife was confident that he wasn't going to live. And she begged him not to go. 
And people said, Bernie, you cannot get out to this thing. The waves are too strong. And if you go out there, you're going to die. And he says this amazing, cool line in the movie. He said, we either all live or we all die. And he takes this little rescue boat and he's like, challenging these gigantic waves and it looks like they're not going to make it and he's just fighting his way with his small crew out they can't even see they lose their compass it's like a, a trip against all odds and they find this tanker and even though this boat can only handle handle about 15 to 20 people they get three dozen men from this ship onto this this coast guard's boat and the oil tanker sinks and he brings them back into the harbor alive. And the people are so emotional. They all got their car headlights out. It's in the dead of night. And they're pointing the lights out so that the boat might be able to see the light and get back safely. It's a really cool story. And sorry for the spoiler alert right there. <laughs> but man, that's the mission we're on. God is asking us to get out there through the waves. I love that we just sang the song, Oceans. You know, the waves are big. It's hard. It's scary to go out there and influence people for Christ. But God is asking you, go out there on this rescue mission with him and help people know Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says this very thing. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What an amazing honor. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of Jesus. And we are out there asking people, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you, world, we beg you, all those that don't know Jesus, we beg you on behalf of Christ, come and receive this reconciliation. Receive this free gift that Jesus has given us. And I know for most of you, if you're just a normal Christian, you're thinking, man, that is so scary. I mean, if you're intimidated by what I'm saying right now, I want you to be comforted. You are normal, okay? It still gives all of us butterflies to go out there and be an ambassador for Christ. But really, it's really just about these three things. You being an example. You loving and serving people. And your words bring hope to people. You see, if you've told anyone in your dorm or at work or in your classes that you're a Christian or you go to H2O, they're probably watching you, like in a microscope, scrutinizing your life. And just your example of how you live brings light to them because they're watching you. How you talk, how you act, your attitude, what you do, what you don't do. They're watching you. And as you walk with God and you say, man, I want to be an example. And, and people are looking at me as this representative. You can influence people. The love and the service that you do. I hear amazing things about what you're doing as a church. To reach out to people. To love people. All the life groups and the events and the things that you do and the spring break trips, and being in the well, all these things 
to love and serve people is a great witness. People notice that. I notice that. And it's impressive. And it's a great example of how Jesus lived. And then when they say, why are you doing this? Why do you live like this? Why do you love people? Why do you serve people? Then you come in with your words and say, because God's changing my life. Jesus is in me, and he's really making a difference in my life, and I would like you to know about that. You and I have that amazing privilege to do that. The second way that we can pass on this baton is in the church with one another. You and I have this mandate to pass on the mantle of leadership. As Christians, we are not only helping other people come to know Christ, but we're also helping one another, and we're discipling one another. Let's go back to the Old Testament, okay? Just to back up before Joshua, at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses dies, and he's handing the baton on to Joshua. So Joshua knew his whole life what this meant to be past this mantle of leadership, okay? Moses was an amazing leader. Moses was a hero. Moses brought the people out of Egypt, and they got to see cool miracles through Moses. And when Moses died, there would have been this huge, like, oh boy, this deflated feeling of what are we going to do without Moses? And in Joshua chapter 1, which is an awesome chapter, I reread this chapter all the time, God comes, to Moses, uh, God comes to Joshua, and here's what he says. I think it's so funny. He says, Joshua, Moses is dead. You know, Joshua's probably like, yeah, everybody knows that. We're in trouble here. But God kind of puts this exclamation point on it and says, that time is over. And then three times in Joshua chapter 1, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He tells him over and over again, it is going to be okay because now you're the leader. And Joshua does an amazing job. It says in Judges chapter 2, again, verses 8 through 11, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. As I was talking about that Olympic event, we see right here in Judges chapter 2 that when Joshua died, the baton was dropped. And it hurt the people. And the message got muddied. And everything went downhill so quickly. You know, with you guys and what you're living today, you have that same awesome responsibility. The year after this and the year after this, you are going to take on more and more leadership in your life. If you've ever heard this said that every person is a leader, I believe that so much. Every one of us has a responsibility to lead. That might be leading yourself. It might just be leading the small group of people that you're with. It might be for many of you leading your family someday. But we are all called to leadership. And we don't have to get caught up in, in the meaningless titles of things. God has called you a leader, and he wants you to help other people grow. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. You see that second part there? It says, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. And God is with you always. You and I have a responsibility to teach other people what you're learning. If you have learned anything about Christianity and you're walking with God, you have something to pass on to the next person. Maybe that's someone in this room. Maybe it's someone at your work or in your dorm or in your family. Maybe it's the freshmen that are coming in next fall that God is going to call you to help them and to lead them. And you know what Grant was talking about with this network growing? It's really college students like you holding on to this great commission, this, this Matthew 28. And it is an amazing thing to see. You know, we have to go out and raise support all the time, all of our staff. And we get to talk to literally hundreds, if not thousands of people about H2O and what's going on. And I always get the same question from these people. They're 40, 50, 60 years old. And they say, how do you have 200 college students grow to 2,000 college students? How do you have one church and plant college churches? It's hard to even have a college church. How do you get 10 college churches? And I always say the same thing. I say, you would not believe how amazing these college students are. You are amazing. You are so awesome that you are even sitting here this morning when most college students are not following God. You have so much talent and you give so much of your time to serve God. It's amazing. And the way that you decide, like, I'm going to come to college and I'm going to get closer to God and I'm going to help somebody else get closer to God. That's ridiculous. That's phenomenal. And it isn't because of us leaders, it's because of you. And you get in the well, and you lead life groups, and you do music, and you do the media and the sound, and you, you do all these things to go out there and love other people, and it's incredible. You do things in the church that many 40, 50, 60-year-old Christians never do in the church. And that always breaks my heart. To see the potential in you and what you're doing to grow is it's super humbling and it's a blessing to be a part of. This is what you're doing. The H2O Network plants and grows collegiate churches devoted to the Great Commission. That's what I just read in Matthew 28. Through bold proclamation of the gospel, intensive leadership development, and focused church planning, we're building a network of churches that will greatly influence this country and the world for Jesus Christ. That's what you're doing in this church, and it is phenomenal. You're taking these verses seriously, like 2 Timothy 2.2. And these things you have heard and seen in me in the presence of many witnesses pass on to faithful people who will also be able to teach others. What's God going to do through your life? What's he going to do in this church in the next five or ten years? 
You hold that baton right now. And I, I say with all my heart, you're holding it so well. Challenge yourself to ask God, how can I be even more faithful to pass this on to the next people? Because God is teaching you things that you can pass on to others. And that's a question to ask yourself this week. What is God teaching me that I can pass on to others? There are people at this campus right now that need you. They need to know what you know. They need to live in ways that you're living, and you can help them. Even though we're all broken, I'm still working on this after all these years, and I've got insecurities and problems and brokenness, and I mess up, and I hurt people's feelings, and I drop the ball all the time. But I bring that brokenness to God and say, God, use me anyway. You don't have to be perfect to be a leader for Jesus. Just give him all the credit and keep looking for those people to pass the baton to. And God is going to use you in awesome ways. Let's pray and ask him to do that. God, we just thank you for this amazing privilege to be in your family. Even though we have sinned against you and we have dropped the ball and we have turned away from you many times. I'm so grateful for the gospel that you, you give us that Niagara Falls of forgiveness and you call us back. Lord, we thank you that, that none of us can stand before you with pride or uh, on our own efforts, but you just have given us this gift that we freely accept and we are so thankful, Lord, that we can stand before you righteous even though we aren't righteous on our own. God, since we have been given such a great gift, Lord, I pray that you would remind us to share that with the people around us, to not just hold it for ourselves, but Lord, you're loving us and you're changing us and you're blessing us. Help us to be vessels that pass that blessing on to other people. Lord, and I pray for this amazing church. And I just pray that you would bring to their mind two things this morning, Lord. Someone that they can pass the gospel on to. Lord, someone to, to share that good news with and to be an example, to welcome you Welcome them into your family. And secondly, Lord, to open up our eyes to the needs in the church, how we can, how we can disciple each other. How can we encourage each other in the faith? Lord, help us to keep passing on the amazing habits and truths and, and changes that you're doing in us to others. Thank you most of all that you're with us as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys want to stand